Hello out there. Today's topic is the effects of traumatic events on members of the black community and how we handle it. Um, The names and identities of the people involved in this study have been changed to protect their identity. They wanted to remain anonymous. So we're going to start our interview now with Samantha Jones. Um, She's a close family friend of mine, and we're going to get into it. Hi, my name is Sarah Fitzgerald. I'm doing research for a project for my English class. It's on the effects of childhood trauma and trauma in general on people, on members of the black community, if it's left untreated and un, and um, unresolved. So my first question for you is, what is your definition of trauma? Like what when someone says the word trauma, what pops into your head? To me, the word trauma means something that causes a hard stop or change in your behavior, in uh, where you live, in who you choose to let in or out of your life. Uh, Anything or any event that can cause you to lose sight of yourself. That's a pretty... It's a pretty good definition of trauma. I I agree. So the American Psychological Association defines trauma as anything that is emotionally or physically jarring, like a physical event or an emotional event that causes that causes your psyche to be messed up so much so that it causes adverse effects. Sometimes these effects can be physical. Sometimes they can just be they can manifest themselves as other psychological issues and things like that. So my next question for you would be, has you or someone you know ever experienced anything that could be considered traumatic? Well, now that you've given me the definition, uh, yes, I believe my entire childhood was traumatic. Uh, I believe that uh, at some point in my life, from the very beginning, I experienced emotional trauma, mental trauma, because there was verbal abuse that was present in my home, as well as uh, borderline neglect. So all my life I spent up until I was about maybe 21, 22, I thought that the way that I was raised was normal. And it wasn't until I reached my adult years, even now, uh, in being 30 plus, it's not until now that I'm realizing that a lot of the things that uh, I endured as a child were, for lack of a better word, would be defined as trauma by modern scientists. Okay. So um, I have here some statistics from, you know, a reputable source, and they say that the lifetime prevalence of PTSD was highest among black people in a study that they conducted. It was about 8.7% of the black community had experienced something that would cause PTSD and had developed PTSD in later in life and didn't even know that they had, that they had developed this, this disorder. So do you, do you think that these statistics are accurately representative or do you think that maybe they're just exaggerating like some people in the black community might consider that 
Well, I don't think that they're exaggerating at all. If anything, 8.7% with all the millions of people that are just present in this country, we're not even talking about worldwide, just in this country, 8.7% just because I know how I was brought up. We were brought up. What goes on in your house stays in your house. You don't talk about it to other people because then they're going to look poorly upon the house. Well, if I know that I know, and then based on how I've been raised, and I know that in my circle of friends, at least four other of my of my friends also were in a house where you don't say anything about what's going on. You don't have an emotion. You don't get to have an opinion. These things, I know that they also experience these things. So if I was to say to put me and my five friends in a group, I would say five out of five of us have experienced on some level some form of PTSD and we st- we're still like uh, dealing with the ramifications of said disease to this very day. Wow. Okay, so um, how did you or your family or the family of your friends or anybody handle the traumatic event that happened when it did happen or handle any of the traumatic events that you were talking about was it like did anyone go to therapy was it just a we're just going to take you to church or they just swept it under the rug like what what can you remember that happened when you experienced or when someone you knew experienced this trauma most of the time I would I went to predominantly black schools so I had predominantly black friends and most of them came from either a single parent home or a dysfunctional home and when they would experience the trauma we as friends would talk about said trauma but most of my friends um even my own family most of them were there was three ways to do it you either told Jesus about it you sucked it up and keep coloring you know, just keep swimming or you talk to your friends about it. And that's about the extent of the therapy because there was such a great stigma in the 90s when I was coming up that, you know, if you talk to people about it, they would call in CPS, Child Protective Services. And, you know, you could be taken from your parents and you people would look at your parents and your family differently so there was a lot of fear you know me being a little you know four pigtail little girl in elementary school you know it was a lot of fear to even come forward just for friends to come forward and say hey this person hurt me or this person rubbed me the wrong way there was a lot of times that their parents would never even know but they you know the, of course they would have the signs failing grades and people acting out in class but we as a band of friends would be how we would do you know how we would in our young minds tried to work through the trauma that was experienced. I know for sure my sister had, you know, she was taken advantage of by an uncle and it wasn't a distant uncle. It was like mother's brother, uncle. And she spent all of her life holding that inside. And it wasn't until very recently 20, she's about 35 now. It wasn't until then that she finally had a complete mental breakdown and all of these all of that trauma came back you know and so now it makes her fearful of with her own daughter letting her own daughter even try to communicate with the opposite sex because she's so afraid that what happened to her will happen to her wow okay so um did you or any of or the person that or anyone that you knew experienced any trauma try to tell anyone about it 
and if so like their parents or like a a teacher or yeah, any or like named. adults or anything and if so how did the how did they respond to them telling them this yeah i had a friend named raisin who told her mother that the basketball coach of our team was being inappropriate with her mm-hmm. and the father's response was well you asked for it oh wow so needless to say raisin does not date men now she's full-on lesbian but i'm convinced that that's the reason why because she told her dad and then her dad then told her she was over exaggerating and you shouldn't dress this way and dress that way and then you wouldn't have him you know he wouldn't have a reason and that story it rings so true so many times after that even in my adult life i've had women come to me and say well, you know, they he's always talking to me, you know, sexually or whatever at work, but he only does it when I try to tell my superior about it, they then they make it hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I think that that stigma is still very much alive uh in our society. It's a sad thing, but you know, most mostly everybody is like, mm, if you tell them if you're the whistleblower, you get the most you the most the, blowback. The blowback. That Real tight. Wow. Okay. So, um, looking back, do you think that the people that were aware of the trauma happening handled it the correct way? And do you think that you or the people who or the people you know who went through this trauma would be better off if they didn't handle it? If they handled it differently? I'm and convinced. how do you think how do you think they should have handled it? I'm convinced for, you know, I can't speak for other people's families, but I know for the trauma that ensued in our in my family, I know that it was not handled properly because the uncle was the mother's sister. Then she said something, she came, she blew a whistle. My dad wanted to beat her, beat the uncle up. Mm-hmm. But his hand was kind of stayed because of the love that the mother and the grandmother had for said son. So in in hindsight, going forward, then watching my sister date and things going forward, she managed to get herself into a lot of loveless relationships because she was she doesn't she she has a hard time. Even with her own husband, she had a hard time connecting to him on a deeper level other than that of a physical caliber, mm-hmm. you know? So it caused a lot of rift, not only in our immediate family, but even in her own family as she grew up and moved out of the house, got married, had kids. It even still caused a rift there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, no, it wasn't handled properly. They said something about it and there was tension in the home and, you know, and they kind of just hustled around in the back rooms of the home, you know, quietly arguing about it as so many black families do mm-hmm. you know and but and then we didn't see that uncle for quite some time until years had gone by and then magically he he's back, back into the lives. back into our lives and there was nothing we could do other than now this this predator mm-hmm. is now being welcomed back into the fold so what do I do I'm gonna get as far away from this this oh. nest as possible so how do you think they should have handled it? How what 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 she in your mind? We should have saw a professional. Okay. Definitely. Uh because even this is before we even knew what PTSD was. Mm-hmm. 
for for months and weeks after the said incident, she had nightmares. She couldn't sleep in her own room by herself. She wet the bed. She, you know, was screaming and drawing pictures of people coming to get her in the night. So there's a lot of things that went on for months, and then all of a sudden, one day the pictures stopped coming. One day she stopped wetting the bed. One day she stopped crying. And everybody just kind of picked up and kept going like it was. So I don't, I think that definitely, because mo, mo, if that had been my child, I definitely would have seeked professional help. Like it wouldn't have, it's not a question now knowing what I know. But I think for the times that it was happening, my mother did the best that she could do because here she was stuck in the position to where if she allowed her husband to beat my her uncle's sis, her brother senseless, then her own mother was threatening to disown her. So, you know, that's a, it's a really hard spot to be put in. And my, this coming from the same mother who was providing over 75% of her nine kids. And in, well, not income, just their livelihood, their support. We were living with her. We were under grandma's roof. So what do you do? You have to comply. Comply or figure out a way to make life on one income and a half a husband. Okay, so in conclusion, what ways do you think we can improve now to try to alleviate trauma happening while we're so young and even if it does happen because everybody goes through trauma like what ways do you think we can try to what do you think we can do as the black community and what do you think maybe our government or or institutions can do to try to help us rectify that trauma or at least get it under control so where it doesn't come back when we're older and trying to be productive members of society for, I mean, the most important thing I think that can be done in the black community is to speak up. Okay. Like, because just like that stigma was true then, you don't say what's going on outside this house. There, the the community hasn't changed in thirty years. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing. People are still telling their kids, "Don't tell nobody what's going on outside my house. What happens in my house is my house." You know. So I think that's the number one thing that can happen. Speak it up. Number two, as far as how the government can can help, allow us to speak up in a form where we can be empowered and not broken down. We can be empowered and not blamed. Mm-hmm. See my trauma for that which is, 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 which is hurt and pain that has caused me a, a hard stop in life. See my pain and, 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 and not necessarily... Uh, not validated, but just accept that I too have pain. And finally, as far as what uh, institutions can do, there has to be a follow-up, a full-on step-by-step follow-up for those patients who come in seeking help. Because we, what the institutions have to understand is we're not just another number. There, if For me to come to your facility and seek out anybody to tell them about what happened to me that's a big step for a black person mm-hmm. and i is from the time that person comes to the door to the time that they have their last session with their counselor there should be full-on upfront transparent communication and follow through follow up 
Because what normally happens is we go in for the initial visit. They prescribe a couple pills. We don't see you again for three or four weeks. Nobody's calling and checking in in between. And then that's where you get the suicides. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, just, you know, having worked in the health community and, you know, been exposed to a lot of mental health patients, I see them. I see them when it's too late. Mm. After they've already been hooked on the antidepressants for seven plus years, it's too late then. Mm-hmm. But and but when I hear and I sit and I listen and I be that ear and that shoulder in those times when they are sober, I find that if someone would have they that they've passed through so many hands before they get to this point, if someone had just reached over and given them a hand up instead of a hand out. If you had handed them up the tools that they needed in order to process and 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 thereby move forward out of this trauma, they wouldn't still be stuck with their hand out for a pill. Pills don't fix trauma. That's the greatest thing that the society as a whole can learn. Pills do not fix trauma. Trauma is fixed through love, compassion, communication, and follow-up. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everyone, we're back. I'm here on my own with a wrap-up of basically the ideas discussed during the interview and my own thoughts on this whole topic as it pertains to Jericho Brown's works. So we know, we found out that the definition of trauma is a jarring or life-altering event that causes psychological ramifications. And according to the Cascade Behavioral Health Community, some of those cognitive ramifications include nightmares, visual images of the event, distortion, confusion, mood swings. Some of the behavioral ones include avoidance of activities or places that trigger memories of the event or a lack of interest in previously enjoyable activities. And what really took me back was the physical aspects of, 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 of trauma, right? So and most people think when you think of trauma, they don't think that it can affect you physically. They mostly just think that it's a it's a mental thing. It's just going to cause you to be paranoid and and edgy all the time. And that does happen. But there are physical signs and symptoms of trauma. And one of them is being easily startled. There's edginess, insomnia, and even sexual dysfunction is part of that as well. So one of the main poems in the book that I thought really spoke to the to the idea of something jarring happening in early in life and no one really doing anything about it was the very first poem in the book, ironically, called Ganymede. At the end of the poem, he says that his people have reached a notion that they cannot be hurt if they can be bought. And I've noticed in my own experiences that that's a really common theme in the black community. It doesn't really matter if you're hurt as long as no one knows you're hurting, as long as you're still in good enough shape to be bought, so to speak, by the society around you. And that's one of the main issues that we have 
with childhood traumas and things that happen to us when we're younger and even when we're older no one ever really talks about it they just sweep it under the rug and it's it's all okay as long as as long as your face value is still there and that is a huge problem and that's what results in these traumas coming back and haunting us later on in our lives having us having mood swings and needing medications and all this other type of stuff and also the fact that it's not completely on the people involved the weight is not completely on them the weight is also on our government there's a a lot of statistics where black people don't have as much access as everyone else does to health care to basic health care even just being able to go to the dentist let alone being able to do something more expensive like contract a psychiatrist so it's there's a lot that needs to be fixed and there's a lot that's wrong and i think jericho did a very good job of highlighting that in his works in his in his in all of his works as a whole it's a it's a compilation of all the things that are going on all the things that no one sees and traditionally in as in the title of the book we just let them happen i think that it's only going to change when we change the way we handle traumatic events and the way we deal with them in our homes and it's only going to change when we have more access to the help we need because no one lives a pain-free life no one can be completely trauma-free their entire life but a lot of the adverse effects of trauma can be avoided if we only could get the help that we needed when we were young and we weren't ostracized for getting that help all right that's about all i have to say thank you for listening sarah fitzgerald out